Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 28 through 35. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the word of the Lord. The very first time I remember doing anything that even remotely resembled Christian mission in my life was in high school. When my friend Cyrus, who invited me to all the stuff that his megachurch was doing, broke me down one day on the approach to Thanksgiving. His youth group was going to be delivering Thanksgiving meals to people who probably didn't have enough money for a nice turkey dinner. But because these were high school-aged youth, we didn't just come up in nice clothes and kindly introduce ourselves and leave off a meal complete with a greeting card with the groceries. Now, they had everybody dress up like ninjas in the darkest clothes possible. See, earlier that evening, we heard a message about how the right hand isn't supposed to know what the left hand was doing, so we're going to leave these meals anonymously, ding-dong-ditching style. A couple of mission ninjas would take the food to the door of the person's home. A van's adult driver would then kind of go into prowler mode and quietly turn the van around the corner. And then one of the students would ring the bell and then they'd book like crazy to get into the van and get out of there. Now some things about that type of mission might not work as well today. For example, having a bunch of kids dressed like ninjas sneaking around in a depressed neighborhood might not work out the very best. I'm not sure how the leaders knew somebody was going to be home to get the food to ensure that we weren't just delivering salmonella gift baskets. And I'm pretty sure, despite the lesson on giving anonymously, every single student told a bunch of people about what they did because it was cool and fun, because it was a really big joy to give. I was not any kind of practicing Christian at the time. This event didn't turn me into one. But the reason I still remember that particular invitation to youth group some 28 years later is because I felt the joy and thrill of giving and serving, somehow connected to Jesus for the first time that night. And I don't think I'll ever forget it. Because the giving and serving just happened to be a couple of God's love languages. And that leads to our first lesson. Some of us access the heart of God most powerfully through giving and serving. The Apostle Paul writes in this letter, I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. 
You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. As I mentioned last week, I believe that there are ways that we can experience a deeper relationship with God through these spiritual love languages. These are sometimes referred to as spiritual disciplines, or old school Methodists might refer to these things as means of grace. And whatever we call them, it's a way that God conveys to us love, and ways that we participate with God in conveying love back to God and among others. In our human relationships, you notice that there are some folks who primarily show their affection through gifts. They love the aspect of knowing someone and picking out just the right thing for their loved one. It comes out during birthdays and Christmas, of course, but for folks who have this as their expressive love language, Tuesday is a good enough excuse. Love is shown through tokens. They know your favorite candy, and it just shows up sometimes. They love to be able to treat for coffee or for lunch. Also, there are folks who primarily show their affection through acts of service. They'll make breakfast, they'll carry your bag, they'll wash the dishes, shovel your walk. Many parents end up in this camp by default, not always by choice. People with this love language will often anticipate your need and do something to physically participate in lending a hand. Folks who connect well with either of these love languages may sometimes be short on words. They may not be touchy-feely, they may not linger with you, but they'll give and they'll serve. And I imagine you've met some folks who connect with God in a really similar fashion. Maybe you've discovered that giving thrills you. You responded by sponsoring, to a, uh, sponsoring a kid through Compassion International or maybe a Liberia scholarship and your heart just leapt for joy. Maybe somebody was transitioning into a new home and needed everything and you just loved to help them by buying things like your shopping office sort of wedding registry. Maybe you always keep a, a blessing bag or a little extra food or cash handy just in case you run across somebody in the city who's down on their luck and you just love that you get to do something about it. In those moments, you feel like you're living out exactly what you are created and designed to do in this life. But then again, maybe you figured out that traveling to an area that's been de devastated by a storm or disaster, that if you bring with you a sledgehammer and some leather gloves, it may be exactly the type of hope that folks in those situations need. Maybe you figured out that driving elderly folks to their medical appointments is exactly how you like to put your faith in action. Maybe you've left the country to help people build homes or plant fields, and the sweat on your brow represents the absolute love you were pouring out to someone who was in need of help. And in those moments, you felt aligned with Jesus in ways that you never have before. So how do we optimize our experience of God through these languages? That leads to our second lesson. Generosity has more to do with our heart's inclination than our balance sheet. Generosity has more to do with our heart's inclination than our balance sheet. There's an instance in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is spending time with his disciples, and he happened to be in the temple and he was watching the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. And then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. Jesus, observing this, said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Some of the most humbling gratitude I've ever experienced has been as a guest in people's homes. 
You may have experienced this phenomenon too, although I can't condone it as a good idea for everyone. There are times when I was doing ministry on the streets down in New Orleans, and some of the grandmas who were out on their porches would invite us in to fix us a plate of something delicious, and they'd roll out their best unplanned impromptu hospitality. Now, I've seen arsenic and old lace, and you might read someday in my obituary that I was killed chasing after a plate of gumbo and fried chicken. There's a possibility. Or maybe it was during our youth mission trips and the families that we would work with would want to provide lunch for the workers on the last day. And though they didn't have much to spare, we had better not insult them by turning down their offer of food and hospitality. Or perhaps most profoundly, I experienced it during a trip to Bethlehem. We were given the opportunity to share a meal in the homes of Palestinian Christians in the Bethlehem region. It was a simple meal. And the families received just enough resource from the tour organizing company that it would cover the expenses of the meal, but it didn't cover things like their effort, their kindness, their time, the stories that they shared. Those things were absolutely priceless. Those experiences of that kindness were so powerful to me because I knew that those times of fellowship were not provided without sacrifice. They may not have had an abundance in relative terms, but what they had... They chose to share. My life has been richly blessed by these acts of love and kindness. I imagine yours has been too. See, this language of giving is not reserved only for people with deep pockets. It's a language of people who take great joy in being a pipeline for God's grace. People who major in this love language figure out ways to feel the heartbeat of God and then to channel their resources to honor and bless the Lord with whatever it is that they have. It doesn't matter if it's handing over a pair of gently used sneakers to a local pantry or funding a new chapel at their alma mater. Love comes through their faithfulness and the nudge that they sense from God. And whether they get something named after them or they remain nameless is secondary. They delight in being able to share. Now, giving and serving are two separate expressions, but I find that they go together in many, many cases. I think they're innately tied together. And it's not just because there are five love languages in Gary Chapman's book and February only has four Sundays, but it is partly that. That leads to our third lesson. Christ calls us all to each love language, but uniquely to the language of service. Did you notice that? Christ calls us all to each love language, but uniquely to the language of service. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13 we hear this story about Jesus in the moments before he is about to offer himself in the ultimate sacrifice to give absolutely all he is on our behalf. And in those final moments, where do we find him but at the feet of his disciples? Starting at verse 3, we saw how Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped his towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. Jesus concludes this lesson in his service by saying, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus entered into a world of competition. Nations were battling for land and resources. Religious sects were battling for influence. People were battling for status and superiority. You know, a lot like what still happens today. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords could have entered into this battlefield with every conceivable advantage. Wealth, 
position, privilege, strength, armies, herds. But what we read is that he was born into nearly every disadvantage. Poverty, anonymity, exclusion, vulnerability, nearly defenseless. And instead of suffering a sense of inferiority about that, Jesus took the opportunity to serve. He served the sick. He served the disenfranchised. He served the condemned and the outcast. He served the helpless. He served the disreputable. He served his disciples again and again and instructed them that if any of them truly desire to be great in the sight of God in the kingdom of heaven, they must lay down their lives, take up their cross, and become a servant of all. Dr. Michelle Anthony talks about how we can cultivate a heart for service, how we learn this language of service in our families and in our own lives. In her work, she emphasizes 10 different environments that help to facilitate transformational encounters with Jesus Christ, and one of these environments is service. And her simple guidance for building up a heart and practice of service comes with a very basic question. What needs to be done? What needs to be done? It's a practice of mindfulness. Just as we're supposed to, every once in a while, pause to check on our own state of being. What's my body feeling right now? How's my heart doing? Where am I holding tension? What worry is troubling my mind? In a similar way, we're also supposed to pause, look around, and ask, what needs to be done? When I'm at home, if I have any sense at all, I'll stop and look around, and maybe there are dishes by the sink. I don't have to wait for an invitation. I know what needs to be done, dishes. And then again, if I am smart, I'll just do it. I'll serve in that way. Kids can get in on this pretty easily too. If you take them into their room and ask them, what needs to be done? They probably know you mean work. Name two things that need to be done and then take care of them. It helps them to recognize the need instead of waiting on the invitation from somebody else to do what needs to be done. Now, sometimes, and in some places, no good deed goes unpunished. You probably run across that, too. If you take some initiative at work, but it's not the way that some things have been planned, you might get a wrist slap. If you do something at the church, and it's not the way we've always done it, you might get shamed. Start cooking when there's a slow service at a local restaurant, and they may actually have you arrested. That's the risk of experimenting with ways to serve. It would be great if everybody would just be happy about our well-intentioned efforts, but humans build up these deeply held expectations, and I don't know that we're going to get over that before Jesus comes back. It may take some wise navigation, but what needs to be done is still a good question to ask. It's partly because service is a language that God truly embraces. We read in Romans 12.1, Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It's also because when we dedicate ourselves to service, our living sacrifice is a language that is nearly universally recognized as love. When we offer assistance and kindness to folks with no expectation of repayment, there's one more very important thing we can share with them. If they ask us why we're being so kind, we have an answer we can give. It's because I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done for me. I wanted to share it. I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done for me. I want to share it. Let's give people a reason to ask. 
Even if giving and serving aren't our dominant love languages, they're languages that a lot of folks can understand. Let's give people a reason to be curious about what it is that moves our hearts. And if they ask, when they ask, know that God has opened a door for you to speak the precious name of Jesus. In our giving, in our service, let all glory go to God. Because the love starts with him, after all. Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we are so thankful that through Jesus Christ, we've seen this beautiful illustration of selflessness, of humility, of generosity in all things. God, we know that in doing, our hearts can be transformed, but certainly because our hearts are transformed, we'll be doing these things. We will be giving. We will be serving. God, thank you that you have offered us the power to express these gifts, to share with the world these languages of love, and for the opportunity to reflect your glory in them. We ask that you would continue to motivate us to give us eyes to look around and see what needs to be done, to receive your wisdom that would guide us to do those things well, and to offer you the praise that you deserve. We thank you. We love you. We offer ourselves to you. All this in Christ's holy name. Amen.